Welcome to the Adventist Pilgrimage Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening to us. We've got some great listeners here lately. People have been writing us a little bit here and there over the summer, so I'm really glad you people are still out there. We love the <laughs> feedback. It's been great. Uh, this month, we're going to be diving into some pretty cool stuff. Uh, one of my favorite things to do, at least in the history world, is to go to the library. And I know that may sound boring to people, but honestly, I've been doing that since I was like 10. So it just gets better as I get older. You too, Greg, huh? Yeah, good, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's one of those moments when we didn't have internet, so if you needed to know anything that was so, more than what your parents knew... Something you fun to do, yeah, you go to the library. Pick Absolutely. a topic, find the books, it was cool. Anyway, yeah, we were nerds. Um, <laughs> we've got a cool library story this month that I think is going to be kind of slick. And Michael was actually the guy who was digging through the library this time. Michael, where were you, why were you there, and what were you? what did you find? Absolutely. So I was up at Berman University, and if our listeners aren't familiar with that, that's our Adventist University in Canada, in Alberta. So I was excited to be there. We had all of our pastors for, for union-wide, Canadian Union uh, Church in Canada, so uh, pastors meeting, so a lot of pastors from all across Canada. So I was giving a series of, of talks, uh, training pastors, etc. and so many of our pastors from Canada, shout out to Canada here. And uh, so I'm there, but you know, since I'm at an Adventist College campus, what's the thing to do? Go to the library. Absolutely. So that's <laughs> what I did. I, I said I asked for permission if I could go down to the archives of the Heritage Room. Uh, they actually have uh, a couple of different things. They have uh, like an actual separate archives, uh, hmm. which is actually in a different location across near the ABC for any of our listeners that are up in Alberta. Nice. But they actually also have like a, a Heritage collection, which has like. This old Adventist history kinds of stuff, random kinds of more like books and things. So, yeah, yeah, and a lot of our colleges have that. Yeah, right? that's true. And so it's not like the minutes and the like, you know, it, it's just a bunch of old books and that's in a, some compact shelving. So um, I was excited because then I could dive in and see what what exactly do they have. There's some things I haven't seen before, and I was kind of excited uh, on a personal level because uh, I'm working on the on North American Division block of. Encyclopedia Seventh-day Adventism mm -hmm. article, so I was waiting to see. I was kind of really looking to see, are there some uh, maybe papers or theses or anything that, mm -hmm. that's on, on how Adventism developed in Canada? And, and there were. I actually found a, a fair bit of stuff, material, nice. that, that was going to be very helpful uh, for some of those articles. But I was also kind of curious, because you just sometimes stumble on some other things. And what I stumbled on was a, a fairly interesting collection of uh, Brinsmead material. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Now, some of our listeners may not be as familiar with uh, Brinsmead, but if you have listened uh, maybe to the Adventist History Podcast with our, our good buddy uh, Matthew Lucio, uh, you know that uh, that actually um, Brinsmead was an Adventist, Robert Brinsmead was an Adventist in Australia who began to become very kind of influential there, especially in the 1960s, okay? okay. And so... He's beginning to kind of, um, he's kind of on a, I guess the best way to put it from my viewpoint is kind of like on a perfectionistic kind of streak, right? Mm -hmm. And so as he goes increasingly more and more, um, he's focusing on the investigative judgment, you know, 1844, cleansing of the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And he develops kind of this theology of like most of Adventism is in the holy place. Right. You want to get to right. the most holy place. So Adventists are kind of, the church is kind of on the cusp of the outside of the second uh, apartment of the of the sanctuary, and this is a little bit problematic because he kind of starts developing a theology that is kind of 
critical towards church leadership, yeah. that will get him in trouble. Right. right. And, I mean, you start saying Adventist church leaders are in apostasy. Usually that's not very good for, for church employment. No, no. Or anybody with you, you know, that's just not, that's not, that's ob- for obvious reasons, that's, that's not kosher. And so he's finding himself increasingly estranged. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the denomination, and, and today we, we might even call it, I, they weren't using this terminology, but in my viewpoint, it kind of um, is moving towards uh, what maybe some people might call last generation theology. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that intense focus on perfect, being perfect, and... and um, well, and because Brinsmead said the, the, the sanctuary that yeah. is talked about in prophecy yeah. is not the heavenly sanctuary, mm-hmm. it is the individual. Absolutely, and as the individual has to prepare, has to prepare. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if if Jesus is moving into the most holy place, represented by us individually, yeah. well, Jesus is going to make us perfect. And I will be the first to also tell you, there's a lot of different flavors of of mm-hmm. theology. <laughs> there really is. And, and but but he has his own unique flavor. Uh, but he he is really critical of the denomination. So I w- I was kind of intrigued, um, even I might say excited, because I you know I I like. To, Say that he said he sent us pictures right from the library. Let's just say it that way. I specialize in Adventist heresy, <laughs> or I don't know if Adventist heresy finds me or what it is. It's an active field. There's, it, there's it plenty there's a to lot draw. There. Yeah. Actually, the funny thing was that one of the talks I gave while I was there was a history of Adventist heresy. Great. See, you were already primed for this discovery. It was, was, it was right there. You know, we were having. And, and so, you know, and basically, for those that might be curious, I, you know, I'm looking at the early Christian church and the different heresies and, and patterns and similarities that we see in some of the uh, heterodox movements in, in, in Adventist history. So just so you know, I'm not going around with any kind of uh, heresy barometer. Heresy you stick? Know, yeah. Yeah. Heresy stick. Actually, the dousing rod, I've seen people going... <laughs> oh, let's not go down this path, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, so... Uh, Brimsmead, he, he's kind of a thorn in the flesh for church leaders in the 1960s, um, on into the 70s. Uh, intriguingly, at, at the toward later on in life, he'll kind of do this kind of flip flop thing. We'll see this mm-hmm. happen quite a bit in, in theology, where extreme theology breeds breeds extreme reactions. Mm-hmm. So there will be kind of, but for what he's most well known for is when he's in this perfectionistic phase. So I was pretty excited, uh, Greg. I, I found a couple of different things. We can talk about different ones in, in whatever order, but. Um, finding some Brinsmead material, mm-hmm. found some material uh, that was somebody from on the inside who kind of gets ousted for a while. Yeah, it was kind of like a testimony of coming mm-hmm. out of the Brinsmead mm-hmm. movement. Yeah. That was great. And and then we also find uh, some other materials uh, from some young church leaders, like uh, thought leaders that become famous later, like mm-hmm. Bakioki. Yep, he's he's responding to it, and even a uh, religion teacher that's at, at Union College. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he will be sort of accused of being sympathizing with mm-hmm. with, uh, with Brimsmead because his son is involved in his ministry. So there's a lot yeah. of personal ramifications there. But um, maybe you know we, we can do this in whatever order. But um, you know some of the Brimsmead. Let's let's start with Brimsmead and the material. Huh? Sure. Yeah. I mean that one was a book. That mm-hmm. was the the big yeah. chunk that I was looking through. Mm-hmm. And I thought he did. Um, I, honestly, it was funny. I didn't read it in the right order when you yeah. sent it. I read the responses to him, <laughs> and then I read him. And it's funny sure. when you read things like that, when you listen yeah. to the critics first yeah. before listening to the person, you get a totally different impression. Yeah. Like even as I'm just listening to them restating his arguments, when I read his arguments in his own words, I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely a little bit different. He was much more engaging, honestly. I was yeah. expecting 
kind of a cantankerous well, was, perfectionist. But he was so a much. very engaging personality. Yeah. I mean, he was very winsome, and that's what it partly attracted people to his views. He's, he's dynamic, I would even say charismatic, but not. I have to be careful. He's not. He wasn't going Pentecostal, but just, right, right, right. But but he was very. He was a dynamo, right? Mm-hmm. So, and there was something about him attracted people to himself too I, I really do want to hear him talk I haven't listened to any audio stuff but reading his book it was much better than a dry theology book that I've read many yeah. other places and maybe so. some of our listeners will have some tapes and can kind of help point us to if, if someone's listening and you've got some tapes or brims me uh, let us know we would love to, to hear that because uh, we're always looking to try to preserve Adventist history yeah. so Anyways, yeah. So reading through his book, my impression was, yeah, he's taking a different tack. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he starts with well-trod ground, and mm-hmm. you know, talking about the sanctuary. What was it? You mm-hmm. know, what happened in 1844? I mean, it's the tried and true in a lot of ways. And then his his twist was that the heavenly sanctuary is the human soul, right? It's, and it's specifically the Adventist soul, right? Mm-hmm. And that that perfection. Of character that Jesus is bringing to the holy, most holy place, um, where he finishes the work, that was seen to be the the element of the end that was going to usher in the second coming. Yeah. So until Jesus finishes the work, which he used a lot of interesting Ellen White quotes for, and some weird he does quote Ellen he White quoted Ellen White he? a lot. Yeah. yeah, which I always found to be fascinating because yeah. usually you're going to at least have some element of here's my Bible, and then I'm going to talk yeah. about what. But he really starts with just Ellen White. Yeah. And, it's but, and by the way, you know, it's interesting. I, in addition to the material we found up at Berman, at the same time, I found on, on eBay, Amethyst historians, we're looking everywhere, right? So <laughs> so eventually... There's, ter- uh, there's nothing on eBay. Don't. It's really yeah. it's the worst place we go. Or if you buy it, just, just send it to Or us yeah, do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I found this, and it was a manuscript. It's actually marked not for circulation, hmm. you know, but obviously it's... It's, it's, it's circulating now. It's circulated. <laughs> It's been circulated, but it's his manuscript on Ellen White. And basically what he does is he takes all the major beliefs and he basically shows he's using it as a sort of like Ellen White as a proof text manual right. for constructing his theology. Yeah. So that, that was kind of interesting to me because it, it was giving me a window into Brimsmead a little bit more because he's, he's clearly operating out of a context of hermeneutic. I was going to say, that is the, the <laughs> Ellen White-centric hermeneutic that I If have there been, ever was one. If there ever was one. Yeah, and he's yeah. not the only one. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd say he fits his time. Mm-hmm. He does. Really. Yeah. So, yeah, no, he's developing his, his theology of the soul is the perfection. Um, the, the goal of perfection is the second coming. Mm-hmm. And, and that, to me, was that kind of... interesting. It was an interesting take on it. And then listening to the responses. That's mm-hmm. the stuff I never heard. Well, let's talk about that. What, yeah. what were some of the responses? we got Bakayoki. Bakayoki had a big one. Uh, I honestly, and I I wouldn't say that I'm always reading Bakayoki and feeling like he's middle of the road on things, uh-huh. but I honestly felt like he was a little bit middle of the road here. Okay. <laughs> he All disagreed right. with Brinsmead yeah. and said, here's where I think he's wrong. Yeah. But honestly, I, I thought he did pretty well yeah. at trying to ferret out the positive and the negative. Yeah, he did, clearly said I'm not gonna stand with him because I think he's wrong. Right. But he was fairly even-handed. Yeah. But again, so affirming some things and then saying here's where I disagree. Yeah. But again, when he said he disagreed, mm-hmm. the the support for his disagreement was guess what? I think I know where you're going, Greg. It was Ellen White <laughs> quotes all over the place, you know. So fighting Ellen White with Ellen White. Bingo. Who can add? And it wasn't. And I was glad for this at least. Mm-hmm. It wasn't who had the most quotes. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually how that rabbit trail yeah. goes for yeah. me anyway. 
No, he, he really fought the idea and said yeah. he quoted Ellen White wrong here, yeah. or he twisted what she meant here. He didn't look at the context of her. Yeah. But again, at the same time, I'm sitting here going, we're talking a divine commentary argument here. We're fighting with with multiple layers of hermeneutics. hermeneutics yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like the 1960s in Adventism and the 70s. You know, this that was the those were the battle lines were drawn. Right. Right. So interesting. Well, I, I was surprised. I had no idea Bakayoki had written anything no. as a response to uh, Brimsmead at, at this you know at one particular point when he would have actually been quite young at, at, at that yeah, particular I, time. I want to say it was 65, something like that. It was somewhere in the mm-hmm. middle 60s. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't. I mean, he wrote it as a thesis paper for a class. It said. Right, he's clearly a student. Yeah, yeah, so he was mm-hmm. a student at least. Mm-hmm. So what was the other one that was standing out to you? Well, uh, the other one is the story of uh, some church workers in Australia that um, they're very enamored mm-hmm. with Bremsmead to the point where they start increasingly become critical. Uh, they lose their church employment, mm-hmm. and so they and, and this is actually they tell their own story. So it's, it's the husband like and wife an autobiographical, yeah, yeah. So so that's the end of their ministry for a while, and they actually will be very loyal. Excuse me, adherents of, of Brimsmead, uh, and and so they'll have Brimsmead frequently. They'll be a, a guest in their home and speaking with their uh, small group that they've organized, because obviously they're no longer officially employed by the church. But they right. have they draw other people with them when mm-hmm. they when they leave. Uh, and and at, at one point, not only have they lost church employment, but they're actually going to have their church membership dropped completely. Yeah, right. And it's at that point. Two they, years later, though. Yeah, two years later. They're dropped from ministry, and then two years later, they're looking at this fellowship, which and, I was and, proud of, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if you really believe the church is Babylon, then you probably shouldn't be Adventist, right, you know? Right. I mean, that, that, that's, there's kind of some, at some point, there's some kind of threshold you've gone way beyond. Yeah, and, yeah. And and uh, anyways, I you know I, I don't think people should be harsh in, in, in retribution, try to get rid of people. You well, know? and that's what kind of but, way I was happy to see. They yeah, didn't just it fire time, them right? and disfellowship yeah. them. Yeah, it, it, was, it takes some time. There was a gap. But when they get to the church membership part, they they realize, wait a minute, where have we gone? Yeah, and it's, it's sort of like this come to Jesus moment, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a self awareness, self awakening, and and they realize, wait a minute, we've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And so they're telling their story how they kind of got into Brimsmead, and then they're leaving that movement, that group, and returning to church. They realize they've become bitter, and they actually write apology letters <laughs> to church leaders saying, in hey, the we, actual, yeah, yeah we, we, we basically repent you know, of, of right. calling the church Babylon, that we see how this has made us critical, not only to the church, but how we relate to others, and it's really hmm. impacted that, that social aspect. It's um, a rarity. I, I don't hear that particular story come back too often. No, usually it's kind of they just keep on going. We're out and we train. Keep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and more and more extreme. But uh, that that was refreshing. It was. Mm-hmm. It was a good read. Yeah, and uh, so and again, you just never know what you're going to find in an archive. And at some point, they wrote down their story, and someone kept a copy of that story, and it ended up in the archives. And and so there it was, and for for us to be able to read and and be able to uh, review. So and I and I got a sense that they were really. Uh, effective in the ministry and the publishing side of things. Oh, that's right. I forgot right? about that. They were like mm-hmm. one of the people that Part really of the publishing got arm. Yeah. For, for mi- and by the way, that that is also what made Brimsmead so successful is is that mass appeal, mass distribution. Of course, there's no internet at this point, but right. but they're able to get their ideas out to a lot of people. Yeah. 
tapes, mm-hmm. pamphlets, yep. books. I mean, it was it was a media. It was empire. a bonanza. Mm-hmm. And really, when you're looking at these things, even yeah. today, one yeah. person can do that on the internet. Sure. But when you get enough group of people, that's when things become a movement. And I think that's where Brin's Mediaism, as it tends to be known, and by the way, if you want to, there's a great article in the Encyclopedia of Seventh-day Adventism uh, that uh, Kyle DeWall uh, has written. So just check it out if you want a little bit more in detail on on the whole Brinsmead kind of thing and uh, that as a movement. But but yeah, church leaders had, had good reason to be worried. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, mm-hmm. they were a rarity in the movement. Right. I don't think that there was that many like them. Yeah. But the ending of their little paper that I thought was interesting, it was an appeal to Brinsmead himself. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Ending it out by saying, we were wrong. Mm-hmm. We think you're wrong. Yeah. Don't don't go down the trail that you seem to be going down. Calling yeah. back from that, right. which which was interesting, and mm-hmm. and and knowing how Brinsmead's story kind of ends, mm-hmm. obviously that kind of all plays into it. Like you as the audience may not know, so we'll keep that until the end. But <laughs> um, what was what was one of the other ones that kind of stood out? Uh, let's see, I'm trying to trying to. Oh yes, uh, there was one other one where there was a religion professor mm-hmm. at Union College, right. your alma mater, good old Union. Yeah, and his son had gone and basically joined Brinsmead in his movement. So right. there he is in the United States. His son is enamored uh, and, and, and goes out and, and basically is working for Brinsmead. He's, right. he's become one of his followers, if you please. Yeah, yeah. And so this makes his father suspect. Mm. You know, you have a, a son, so then are you secretly some kind of Brinsmead person, you know? Heresy has a tendency to make everybody suspicious. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a it, it truly is a guilt by association. It is, yeah. And so this triggers a whole series of investigations. Mm. Um, do I dare say heresy hearings? Yeah, you know, like, I mean, sort that's of. what it is. Yeah, you know, they're it concerned is. that hey, we have a we have a secret heretic on our <laughs> on, on our, our watch. staff. Yeah, teaching kids. And so this triggers a whole series of warnings, letters, yeah. interviews, board leaders, union president, who's the board chair, basically having ongoing conversations. And, and you know, basically, why won't you condemn Brimsmead? Make a, just come out and make a strong statement and clearly condemn him. Mm. And and here you have, and this is the, the challenge of theology sometimes, there's, there's the intellectual, but there's also the personal. Yeah. And so he doesn't want to make a strong statement for obvious reasons. His son is part of that movement, you know, right. and, and I, I can only imagine that would estrange things further. Sure. So here we have um, a father who's kind of caught betwixt and between mm. and, and kind of uh, saying, well, this is what I believe. <laughs> but, but, and, and so there's this constant pressure to really explain until finally, eventually, he'll he'll make a strong enough statement that that they're willing to kind of back away from him. So, yeah, yeah. So that was that was kind of interesting because you see, basically, an attempt at how do we regulate orthodoxy with a religion professor, right? Uh, and and the, again, this whole thing built by association. Okay, we know this guy's a bad guy. Have you been tainted? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, he's exactly. Been tainted, and and it shows you. Uh, I think some of the pressure, the the milieu. That, that mindset uh, of the 1960s that you know you have to prove your orthodoxy really yeah, right? Um, right and and so it's it's definitely an era of, of very being very conservative I know uh, some people not many people have written about Adventism in the 60s and 70s probably 
one of the few that I can think of might be uh, Gilbert Valentine, who wrote mm-hmm. the Ostriches and Canaries. And, canaries, yeah. uh, and it's whatever you think about that book, it's, <laughs> it, it's a, there seems to be a lot of stress, a lot of yeah. anxiety. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. You know? and, and, and I think that's what, you know, you definitely get that um, in a variety of different angles. And, and this is one at just one of our smaller schools at that time. And clearly, again, guilt by association. Um, but, but my reading of his, of the whole experience, and he lays it all out there eventually, uh, giving the whole history and who contacted him when and letters and everything. This is sort of his... Um, Get it off his chest. Yeah, <laughs> culpa, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and, and so uh, so that was, that was very interesting. It, I, it gives, again, I think that context that context of the 1960s through the early 70s of, of what's going on in Adventism. Yeah. And someday, you know, that's thanks to the fact that we have these documents that have been preserved. Um, it's going to enable historians to be able to do more research. We've done a lot of work on early Adventism. And by comparison, with just a few exceptions, as already noted, uh, we've done very little in the 20th century. And the closer yeah. we get to the present, uh, obviously, it's more sensitive the closer you get to the present. It's messier. But, but, you know, if you think about it, you know, 1973, right, uh, to 2023, that's, that's, that's 50 years. 50 years. Yeah. It's been 50 years. So it's time to be able to really talk about the 1960s and 70s. That's more than enough time. Even archives, like the standard archival restrictions uh, in the denomination, uh, 25 or 30 years, depending on the material. But... This is 50 years. This is well past that. Right. So right. there's, there, it's, it's time. You know, we've hit the spot, the spot, and and frankly, as historians, we also want our research to help in the future, in the present, and sure. whatever. Like, yeah. we can't leave it all out. Yeah. Otherwise, we will have nothing left to talk to. Well, and that's why I'm nobody glad we found to that, talk to, right? These materials at Berman. That's why I'm yeah. glad we found this Brimsley manuscript on Ellen White mm-hmm. uh, on eBay. We're we're always looking, putting our tentacles out there, <laughs> Great, right? You know. <laughs> How do we find this material yeah. and, and preserve it so that then it's accessible for yeah. for future as well as, you know, um, podcast right. episodes. Yeah. Things to help us. Yeah. And, and for me, honestly, the, the exciting part is looking and saying, you know what? We struggle with stuff today. Uh-huh. We have theological discussions and debates of whatever. We're not alone in that. No, not at all. And seeing the debates and how it went back then mm-hmm. can inform and mm-hmm. make me feel somewhat better in cases where it's hard <laughs> yeah. to see my church struggle. Um, but I can see we've always struggled, right? Yeah, and how do we disagree gracefully and respectfully? You know, right. The true test right. of character isn't whether you agree with everybody around you, but but really the true test of character is how do you disagree with people. Right, right. And uh, in, in, in Adventist history, there's times we've done it well, mm. and frankly, there's times we've not done it so well. And I, I think it's unfortunate you know that there's a there was a suspicion of guilt by association. Yeah, uh, that it's it's just unfortunate. But especially uh, in an academic setting mm-hmm. where you've got you you have to have a certain level of academic integrity mm-hmm. and and also open thinking to consider. Like yeah. that's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard but, spot to be. You know, and, but at the same time, I can also understand church leaders. Like how far is the contagion gone? You know, there's right, right. people calling the denomination Babylon, and yeah. and you can't have people working for you that are undermining you too. Yep. So and that that was actually an interesting part brought out mm-hmm. by the people that left. Yes. One of the things they thought was so distasteful mm-hmm. was how much 
the Brinsmead material was turning against the the, the church that they still yeah, loved. loved. Yeah. And and then how Brinsmead himself was setting yeah. himself up as the the, the end all. arbiter. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you go against us, then you are also and, and they also it. talk about when they finally come back that they were kind of really ostracized and yeah. the same way that they were treating church, you know, it, it's, it's sort of right. flip-flops again. And and so there is this really critical issue of, of trust, mm-hmm. right? That That's part of it. And then how do we treat one another? Yeah. And, and it was good to see both of those, right? Yeah. I, I'm so thankful. Denominational leaders, they said, okay, there are some boundaries, but they loved them back into the church, really. Yeah. And, and they became lifelong church workers. And they were not just gone. You the know, ones in Australia. Right. And it kind of, I'm, I'm still not sure I, I rest easy with what happened with the other religion professor no, at I don't. Union. Uh, that that doesn't settle quite so well with me. Um, if a family member goes rogue. Um, Are we I, really going to hang the parent for? Yeah, what, what do you do with that? You I know. know. But, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a matter. Um, we don't write the history that we want to write, we have to write the history that we actually find. Right. <laughs> and the more recent history, we know there's a lot out there, and that's part of why we have to preserve and continue to find these kinds of materials. That's why we're saying, hey, if you got friends made tapes and materials, let us know. We, you don't yeah. have to send us the originals, just make a copy. We'd, we'd be really excited about that. Yeah. Because the more we have in the story, the more there mm-hmm. is to talk about. The more there is. I mean, I look up a Brinsmead article on, on uh, the encyclopedia, and I can read the story of Brinsmead. Mm-hmm. But I don't see the whole, that happened, everything around it. I don't no. know what other people felt like. Yeah. I hear about it from probably a conference-level objective opinion on the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't hear these people who were just, you know, little Bible workers and, yeah. and, and call porters that got sucked into the movement because they were excited about it. Yeah. You hear their story... And you start to realize this was something I can relate to. Right. You know, right. It's not Absolutely. just dry theologians hacking at each other in an ivory tower somewhere. Exactly. Well, I think we covered this pretty thoroughly. Yeah, yeah. And, so um, let's not leave him hanging, though. Okay. Brings me to himself. Oh, that's right. Tell us the end. I, I, I loved what I what I saw uh, hinted at in mm. Bakayoki's paper. Okay. He said in a couple of different spots that mm. Brinsmead himself... When confronted, what if you're wrong, Brinsmead? What if you are, are in error about this whole thing? Yeah. And he's like, if I find and truly can see that I'm in error, then I will go back to a nice little garden that I have in town, and I will spend the rest of my life there, knowing that I chose the wrong and did the wrong thing. Right. <laughs> and to me, that's just really ironic, because that is exactly where he ended up, right? Right. He had, kind of went back to that fruit farm. I think they called it Fruitopia or something like Fruitopia, that. Fruitopia, yeah. yeah. It's today, and it's still around. Yeah. yeah. It's like so a big thing, actually. It's, big it's thing. kind of a, its own like an, a, event like an amusement park. almost yeah. park. Yeah. yeah. So he, he really did what he said he was going to do. Yeah. So he uh, ended up... Honestly, it, it has an echo of Thanos in it, but I shouldn't draw that correlation. Right, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to uh, Adventist Pilgrimage. I want to put a personal plug out here because we have uh, something really extra special. We have a special conference on women mm-hmm. in Adventist history. So if you're interested in that, go to the North American Division, our archive statistics and research webpage or on our page or on uh, Facebook and social media. We have it listed a lot of different places, but that's October 12 to 14. This will be our September episode. So if you have the opportunity, we've got some of the top women's historians inside the church, outside of the church uh, that will be coming. We're going to talk. This is not some conference about women's ordination or anything like that. That's not what this is about. This is about trying from a 
as historians that we've not always done a good job telling the stories of the contributions of women in Adventist history. We want to rectify that a little bit, yeah. uh, at least in our small way to, and, and we have uh, Matthew Lucio, we've got, uh, I think we've got Greg. Yeah, 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 yeah. we'll see, we'll see. I'm Working hoping. on it. <laughs> uh, and we've got about 30 other historians that are going to be giving presentation papers and all kinds of different things. Yeah, it's going to be great. So just a little personal plug out there. If, if you love Adventist history and if you find a way that you can join us, we'd love to see you. At that, they'll be at Washington Adventist University in Sligo, uh, October 12 to 14. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of uh, Adventist Pilgrimage Podcast. And until next month, uh, keep on studying our past, and we hope it'll challenge and inspire you. Until next time.